Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Um, you know, the Bible said even Jesus himself grew in wisdom as a boy growing up to adulthood uh, because he truly became a man and laid aside his mighty power and glory, became like other men, Philippians said. So when we say I'm learning how to be an overcomer, that's exactly right. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, you're not, when you're born again, you're not born again a fully developed uh, spiritual believer. You're born a baby. And if you're fed the right things and you begin to exercise, you develop. If not, you don't develop. That's why it's possible that people have been born again, you know, 70 years ago, and they're still spiritual infants, still babies. Because you, you won't grow up just hearing about, you know, politics and social reform and people's ideas about right and wrong. It takes the anointed Word of God to feed and build up your spirit. And then you also have to use it. You have to exercise and walk by faith and by the leading of the Spirit. So um, why do we have faith school? It's for all these reasons and more because everybody needs to be fed. Just like your body needs to be fed, your spirit needs to be fed. And that's why we start off the class saying, my spirit is fed. Hallelujah. Not that Brother Keith can feed it. It's the Word that feeds it. But we can be vessels for the Word to come through. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom and let's let that happen. Father, all of us agree together, reaching out to you, acknowledging that you are the Father of spirits and that our existence and our flourishing and our fruitfulness is inseparable from being connected to you and abiding in the vine. And so we do. We, we draw near to you. We reach out to you. We seek your face, we ask for your words and your will and your plan and your things, and we know you are so faithful and gracious to do it. It is your will. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you look again, please, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We've been continuing on our study that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. It's, a, um, it's an insidious thing. It's a pervasive thing. It's an evil thing. It will rob you. 
if you let it. It will rob you of the blessings of God, rob you of the plan of God. But you don't have to let it rob you. You don't have to be a doubter, an unbeliever. You can be a person of faith. Not just faith in general, faith in God. Living faith in the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is about a relationship and fellowship, not just putting some things in your head. 1 Corinthians 10 says, uh, the first several verses, he's talking about not wanting us to be ignorant of what happened to Moses and the first generation that came out of Egyptian slavery. Verse 5 says, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now he said, verse 6, these things are our examples. And he warns us, don't do what they did. In verse 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, don't do what they did. Verse 10, don't murmur as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. We've talked about this some already, but go ahead and make an affirmation of faith. Say it out loud. I am not a murmurer. I refuse to be an unbelieving, griper, complainer, blamer. It is not my way. I'm a believer. Amen. Don't you like that better? Uh, don't do it, he said. So we're saying, okay. We're not going to do it. Now, all these things happen to them for in samples, and they're written for our admonition upon the whom the ends of the world are come. So we've been going back to uh, Exodus and Numbers and looking at, at what they did and what they did wrong, what happened to them, what kept them out of the plan of God. We started uh, in, in Exodus uh, 14 how God brought them through the Red Sea and, and then event after event, two, three, four, all the way to the 10th event that's in Numbers 14 in Kadesh Barnea. And um, by that point, they are exhibiting indications that they are never going to change. And they never did. And the Lord knew that, which is why he told them, okay, you all you will say is we're going to die in the wilderness. So that's what you will have is what you say. Now, sometimes people hear that and they think, well, you know, why did the Lord just let them have it that way? Well, what else is he going to do? He would have to override them. He would have to take them over and control them and make them do things against their will. That's what the devil does. That's not God. God doesn't do that. He's not going to do that. He doesn't make people do things. Hasn't in the past, is not in the future. So what choice did he have? If he gave them a free will and he's going to let them continue with free will, he has to let them believe what they want to believe, doubt what they want to doubt, rebel. But uh, I think you feel the same way. I refuse to be that way. How about you? No, I don't have to be that way. And he warns us, telling us, don't be that way. So what? I'm not going to be that way. <laughs> Numbers, if you would, uh, 16, we saw in the 11th episode, 
or event of their unbelief, which was the Korah's rebellion. And we saw that um, in verse 41, after number 1641, after the ground opened up and after the fire blasted out and consumed the rebels, that uh, on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. And you really see that component of murmuring that involves blaming. Murmuring is, uh, we said the, the, one of the literal definitions sounds a bit strange, but it means to remain permanently. Uh, and, that same, and it also means, of course, to grumble. But how could it mean to remain permanently? Because it reveals what happens to you spiritually when you persist in complaining and blaming. You're stuck. You're stuck. If all you will talk about is how bad things are. Let's just take it to a specific. I mean, let's say you got a physical problem. You got a problem with your kidneys. Got a problem with your liver, your lungs, your heart, whatever it is. You can focus on that until you become obsessed with it. And that's all you think about. And that's all you talk about. And you're miserable that my kidneys don't work right. And I have to do this and I can't do that. Other people's kidneys work right. Why can't mine work right? And you can gripe about it. And why did God, you know, make me with defective kidneys? Did he? Did he? See, that's a, that's a presumption, and it's a wrong one. You know, you got to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Did they have defective parts? No, no they did not. That stuff only happened, these defects and abnormalities, birth defects and every other thing, that's a result of sin and the fall. And the curse, that's not God's perfect will. That's not his perfect plan. But regardless of what's wrong or, or how it got that way or how long it's that way, there is a God. I said, there is a God. There, there's a healer. If you'll believe. All things are possible with God, but that's not the end of it. There's a manward side. All things are possible to him or her that believe. And so you can cry and feel sorry for yourself. You can lament. You can blame the doctors whose procedures didn't work right for you. You can blame and complain. Blame and complain. And what's the problem? You are stuck with your problem. You are not coming out. You will remain in it. And if you can't break the murmuring, you won't have the breakthrough to come out. We saw, what was it, yesterday's class about uh, Hannah. And her breakthrough came after years of being depressed and crying all the time when she was no more sad. When she was no more sad, it was no more bad. It changed. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. They believe they are a victim of their circumstances. And so they just walk completely by sight. And if it feels bad and looks bad, they are bad. They talk bad. That's it. But the truth is, 
Spiritual forces are greater than natural things. And through changing what you're saying and changing what you're believing, matter can be changed. Bodies can be changed. Situations can be changed. Whoo! That's some of the best news you ever heard, child of God. Right? But who's it up to if I keep complaining or if I change, if I keep murmuring and blaming? So here, even though they have been here, we know at least 11 other major times they are doing the same thing again. Complaining, blaming, murmuring. You've killed the people of the Lord. If you skip down to chapter 17, you see that God is really, he's weary of this. And he wants it stopped. And he's, he's uh, telling them he's going to do a sign and wonder to stop murmuring. <laughs> In chapter 17, I'm, let me read this to you from another translation. This is the NIV. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and get 12 staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. So the King James says rod, but uh, staff is the word used here. So it would have been, I don't know, a stick, if you will, a uh, a limb or a branch uh, that had been, you know, probably relatively straight and then had been smoothed and finished somehow that people used. Uh, they did a lot of walking, of course, and they're out in the wild. And it was just something that you saw very commonly that people would have a walking staff, a rod, a stick. And so he said, take one from each of the 12 tribes, a prince from those tribes, and write their name, each man, on his staff. On the staff of Levi, which was Aaron's uh, tribe they came from, uh, write Aaron's name. For there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe, and place them in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony where I will meet with you. This was in the... Uh, the tabernacle, which was a tent uh, built exactly to God's specifications that he gave personally to Moses in the mount. And um, Hebrews chapter 9, I believe it is, talks about these things, uh, about where the uh, uh, altar was and where the table of incense was and where the ark was. And he's saying, lay up these 12 rods, these 12 staffs or sticks, and they wrote a name of each one. And verse 5, the staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout or bud. Now he's talking about what we'd call a dead stick. <laughs> Is going to bud. And I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. Does God have feelings about murmuring and grumbling? He does. He does. He, is, he just heard it and he didn't want to hear it anymore. And I don't want to be doing something that's irritating to the Lord, do you? No. Well, then I, we got to get grumbling out of our mouths. And the reason you got to say it like that is because there is a pull to gripe, isn't it? 
In this world, in this ungodly world, the influences of the enemy are all around. There's fear all around. There's pressure all around. You'll have to make an effort not to complain. Because there's plenty to gripe about. Right? If you will. And everybody around you in the world is griping and complaining, which is why you want to go to a church where they don't. At least some of them don't. Right? (laughs) And others are getting better. Right? I mean, but you don't want to go somewhere where they say it's okay to gripe. Huh? Because that's just like the world. And you want to be around people of faith. People of faith don't murmur. If they do, they correct themselves. Murmuring is a characteristic of unbelievers. Should not be us. Hmm? So the Lord says, I want to put a stop to this murmuring. And he's going to do an astounding thing to make it happen. So keep reading. That's verse 5. He said, the staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, will bud or blossom. And I'll make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. The Lord took this murmuring personally against himself. If you go back to Exodus 14, 15, 16, 17, through there, every one of those chapters, they murmured. And um, they thought they're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord said, I hear your murmurings, which you murmur against me. Yeah, but they weren't calling his name. They thought they're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. But see, Moses was just saying what God told him to say. Reckon that same thing's happening today? People are murmuring against people. And actually, they're murmuring against the Lord and don't realize it. So, verse 6, Moses spake to the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, that's a, a staff for each prince, according to their father's houses, and twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness, inside the tent there. And it came to pass on the morrow, so I guess this would have been less than 24 hours. Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. (laughs) Oh, this is a stick. With no limbs, no roots, no top, no leaves, no soil, no water, no sunlight, overnight. Bloomed, blossomed, buds, ready to eat almonds. (laughs) Do we have a God or do we have a God? Now, people will hear that or read that, and you got some folk who just shake their head and go, that's not, no, no, that's a, that's a myth, Brother Keith. That's a historical, but no, no. 
I believe it actually happened exactly like this. And people say, that's impossible. Why is it impossible? You need to analyze that. To say it's impossible would imply you know it all. Do you see how arrogant that statement is? Well, that's impossible, uh, preacher. That, you know, defies the laws of physics. That, that You're implying you understand all the laws of physics. I'm sure you don't. If you don't know how trees and plants were created, how do you know what can't happen with them? Go with me to Genesis. Are y'all okay? Can you handle a little bit of this? <laughs> we need to talk about these things. Because are we still talking about faith? Yes. I mean, what, what you believe governs your life. And when somebody says, that's impossible, that couldn't happen, uh, all you're saying is you don't know how it could happen. And to say it couldn't happen for sure means you're implying you know everything there is to know about all this, and you can speak with authority that it couldn't happen. You should have at least a little humility and say, I don't know how it could happen, instead of saying, it can't happen. Because to even begin to understand what could or couldn't happen, you'd have to know how all of this came into being to start with. And if you don't know, you should say, I don't know. <laughs> right? But don't say it's impossible. That shows your ignorance. That shows your arrogance. Don't say that. Is that okay for me to say? <laughs> uh, Genesis 1, you'll see where God started this thing. In Genesis 1 and 9, for instance, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Even people, whether they're believers or not, that study these things have come, many of them come to believe that there was a time when everything was covered with water, and then there was a time when there was one continent, and then there was a time where the continent split apart, and that's all in the scriptures right here, and it's in the following chapters long before anybody could even prove that the earth was round. <laughs> there are no errors in this book. None. If you think there are, again, you're showing your ignorance and your arrogance. You just found something you don't understand. And if you'll ask, the Lord will show you some things. Verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Our good God makes good things. And God said, now here's where almond trees came from. <laughs> Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. We, we take this for granted because we're so used to it, but it is an astounding miracle that a, you know, 150-foot tree can be inside this. Is that right? 
And it's all there. This little seed. It's all in there. I mean, it sounds like magic if you said, you know, I'm going to take this little thing and cover it up and pour some water on it. And it's going to come 150 feet tree. I mean, that would sound like bizarre and crazy, but that's how 150 tree, foot trees become. The earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose, tree was, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and morning were the third day. Where did plants originate, including trees? Where did almond trees originate? How, what was the first one? How did it come into existence? If you can't answer that question, you cannot intelligently say that what happened in Exodus with the, it budding couldn't happen. If you don't understand that, you don't understand this. But if you are the one who created trees <laughs> and soil and matter and energy, then the components, all the components are there inside the wood. All the elements are there. And if you created light and you created soil and you created, you, you could speed things up. Is that right? You can slow them down. You can alter them. You can change them. That's what he did. They laid up these staffs before the Lord, and overnight, buds, blossoms, almonds. And then Moses calls in everybody, and he lays them out, and he says, which one do you think God picked? <laughs> there was only one, only one that had blossoms and almonds. It was Aaron's rod. And see, this goes back to Korah's rebellion because they were saying all the people are holy and there is no special choice or special place. God did a sign and a wonder to demonstrate his choice. Should we respect God's choice? And you know, the Bible said, he went on to tell him, lay that up in the ark. And Hebrews 9 tells us, that inside the Ark of the Covenant, God has that Ark. He has it with him. Uh, which is why they can't find it. <laughs> the golden pot of manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the two tablets of the Ten Commandments are inside the Ark of the Covenant, Hebrews said. That's how special that is to him. But why did God do it? To stop murmuring. <laughs> huh? To hold up the rod and go, see the almonds? Shut up. <laughs> be quiet. Quit all this griping and blaming. Let it be settled. Somebody say, it's settled with me. No griping. No complaining. No blaming. Just thanking God. Hallelujah. Our time's up again. 
And isn't it wonderful to get truth that makes us free? We'll come back tomorrow. We'll see more faith here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.